When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steel fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, Anthony Weidel, Dan Colbert, um, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond a roster that I always like to say will compete for a seventh Lombardi trophy. And so as I record this, uh, training camps just kicked off. I've seen some snippets of interviews with Claypool and how he's been training with Brandon Marshall. I've seen Ogan Joby talk about uh, putting the, you know, um, previous issues with uh, Mason Rudolph behind him, um, you know, and a few of these other different snippets you get. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick's obviously got the arm injury. He's going to be out for, I think they said a couple of weeks. Um, seems like, you know, his bike that's been compared to another famous person, um, or at least well-known person that's fallen off a bike recently. And, uh, you know, depending on your humor in that, you know, it can be quite funny seeing some of the stuff that's popping up on social media. But anyway, the point of today's show, um, you got a really interesting thing that I was trying to prove or disprove <laughs> that I want to talk through in the second part of the show around safeties. Um, but in the first part of the show, there were two things from a stat perspective that caught my eye um, in in thinking about what I might talk about on this week's show that I wanted to talk through. Not enough to build a show around per se, although I think one of them I might look at before the season starts, particularly um, in context of training camp. Uh, but the other one um, was quite of interesting with one of our pickups. I want to have a quick look at Jeremy McNichols as well, given we brought him into the running back room. Um, So I think that's a pretty cool one for us to be able to just give you a snapshot of what his stats look like, um, you know, where what the Steelers might be able to expect out of him. Uh, I was surprised about the positivity in the VTC Slack channel for him. I'm not surprised in that I don't think he's not a good player, Um, but people seem really, really happy with this. Uh, I, the stats tell a little bit of a different story on what an impact he can make, but Definitely great, great person to bring into the room. You know, if you think about putting Benny Snell in there and then your surprise packet might be Anthony McFarlane Jr. I'm pretty happy with that. And he does bring something to the table that I thought could be quite interesting and helpful with Najee as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that in part one. And then in part two, as I said, I'll get into the safety situation. So let's kick it off. Um, So the first stat that I thought, was pretty interesting is I was going through some of next gen stats, which are a bit more on the offensive side. And, you know, quite frankly, as much as I'm a guy that loves his defense, I'm hoping that this time next year, I can be talking about some, you know, fastest catches or fastest receptions or most improbable catches um, and, and be talking about Pickens and Claypool and, and what they've been able to do there. Uh, that That's something I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to do. But the first stat was they put out basically a bunch of top tens based on last year. And they put out their top 10 coverage players of 2021 um, and, and predicting how this might be for 2022. And so I was sort of looking at this, not expecting any Steelers to be in here. 
But we do. Uh, the acquisition of Levi Wallace, he was listed here in rank number eight um, in the top 10. And they basically talked about his passer rating allowed, which was a 73.8 last season. Catch rate allowed was below expectation at minus 2.6% last year. So that means that he allowed 2.6% um, less catches than what they thought he would. His tight window percentage was 27.2. So that's what he allowed within a tight window. Um, a target rate, 18%. Average separation, 2.4 yards. Expect Targeted expected points added was minus 15.3. So basically, out of all the points they expected him to be at fault for conceding for his team, let's say this guy running for a touchdown or him being trampled by a running back, he had 15.3 less points in that regard than what they expected. Um, so, you know, that EPA that they like to call of the of the 15.3 was a real highlight for them. Um, he had 10 pass defenses, um, and that if he'd got probably had more than two interceptions, they said on the 81 targets that um, were thrown his way by quarterbacks, they said he probably would have finished higher on the list. Um, so it's quite funny when you look at those interceptions, because in some other work that I was doing um, for the safety part of the show, I, so you sort of bring up Ike Taylor and you see like a, quite a few pass defenses but you don't see or pass breakups, depending on whatever you want to call them. Um, I go pass defenses because that's what's in pro football um, reference rather than pass, pass breakups in other other formats. But if with the pass defenses, the point is, is that, you know, Ike Taylor did better there than he did regularly in interceptions. Um, so perhaps Levi Wallace is going to be a bit more like that for the Steelers, not necessarily in exactly where he plays in the defense, but you're going to see a guy that might have an impact on the defense. He might not, he just might not get, you know, more than three to five interceptions per season. It may only be a couple. Um, I think the Steelers to do well need, you know, a baseline of four from him, but we'll see. Um, and so they, was, they basically said he probably will rocket up this list if he makes even better plays when in Pittsburgh. Can't agree more. Can't agree more. The next sort of stat, which is the one that I think I might look, have, try and have a look a bigger look in terms of how this translates across the Steelers' defensive line and linebacking core was around the top 10 um, sort of pass rushes um, or they call next-gen stats, call them their top 10 disruptors of 2021. Um, so on the list is Leonard Floyd um, at 10. Ninth was Javon Hargrave, ex-Steeler. Aaron Donald at eight. Nick Bosa at seven. Miles Garrett at six. Yannick Ngokwe at five. Micah Parsons at four. Max Crosby at three, TJ Watt at two, TJ Watt at two. Now I'm not going to tell you the number one because I want to you know have a think about this because it'll there'll be a clue to it. Number two, um, obviously we care more about two anyway because it's from the Pittsburgh Steelers and TJ Watt. But he had 60 quarterback pressures in uh, last year. He had a quarterback pressure rate of 16.3 percent, so that's pressures to snaps. 43 quarterback hurries, 22 and a half sacks. Um, and I'm only over here, obviously other great numbers as well, but these are the numbers that they factored into this list. Um, and then he had turnovers per pressure, per pressure, per pressure rate of three. So that means for every 60, um, sorry, for every, you know, pressure he had, um, you know, you got three, three of those, three turnovers based on those pressures. So he had the highest single sack rate, um, of next gen stats of the next gen stats era since 2016. Um, and that's 6.1% of his snaps. That's so the highest sacks per set of snaps that he's got. He was obviously voted defensive player of the year. 
despite missing almost three games, definitely two full games. Um, he owns the highest sack rate, 3.7% over the duration of the NGS era, minimum 1,500 pass rush attempts, NGS being mentioned in stats. So basically, TJ Watt, since 2016, has the most amount of sacks um, per percentage of snaps played. He's more efficient at getting home than any rusher in the history of next-gen stats. However, he's only second on this list because the player from a divisional rival, divisional rival, we've already said Miles Garrett, remember in this list, and he was sixth or seventh, um, happened to put po- this other player happened to post the fourth highest quarterback pressure rate in a single season in next gen stats history and forced five turnovers via pressure in 2021. So that was kind of the only area was the turnovers um, that and, and pressures that really Trey Hendrickson beat TJ Watt out on. So he had 79 quarterback pressures and he had turnovers um, for quarterback pressures of five. But he only had 14 sacks, only had 45 hurries. It's only two more than TJ Watt. Quarterback pressure rate was higher as a percentage. So he had an awesome season. But you've also got to remember, how many times did we see TJ Watt held um, and what have you? But I think I love this number, the the 3.7% sack rate across all the snaps he's played is incredible. That's the highest amount in, you know, the six years. And we talk about Aaron Donald, and I know it's a different position. People talk about Miles Garrett, but like, TJ Watt is an animal. Like if you, for whatever reason, were tempering your expectations or tempering what you thought of TJ Watt um, amongst a list of the top disruptors, he's up there. And really there's a good case if you bring in force fumbles and tackles for a loss um, and uh, quarterback knockdowns, you know, there's a case for him to really be number one here. But this is the stats they did. And, you know, he's pretty close to Trey Hendrickson. And the other thing too is, You'd rather not have a one-hit wonder. And yes, I know Trey Hendrickson has had some good years as well. And he will definitely put pressure on whoever the Steelers quarterback is this season. So the next part for part one that I wanted to look at um, there was Jeremy McNichols, the running back, 5'9", 205 pounds, according to Pro Football Reference. Uh, you know, they're out of, I think he got drafted by San Francisco, 49ers. No, he got drafted by Tampa Bay. Um, then went to play for San Francisco. So he got drafted in the fifth round, 162 overall in 2017. Um, then he played in, so he played in San Francisco, 2017, 2018, Indiana, 2019, Jacksonville, and then 2020 and 2021, Tennessee. Um, the last two seasons at Tennessee have been his bigger, I would say, more important years, um, particularly sort of he played in 30 games, had 48, sorry, 88 out of his 90 rushes, 364 yards, um, 360 of those, a career total 364 have come in the last two years. One TD in 2020, that's his first career TD. Um, he's had 15 first downs in his career, 14 of those have come in the last two years. Um, his yards per attempt have been high the last two years. So in Indiana, um, they were uh, 2.0. In Indianapolis, sorry, um, in Tennessee in 2020, they were 4.3. In 2021, they were 3.8. Um, and his targets are interesting too. So he caught 12 receptions in 2020 from 17 balls and 28 receptions from 38 targets for 55 yards was the 12 from 17 in 2020 and for 240 yards last year. Um, 8.6 was his yards per reception, one receiving TD. Catch rate of 73.7% in 2021, 70.6% in 2020. So it's pretty interesting there. Like the reception part and the catch rate part was actually pretty surprising and pleasing for me. And this is where I think he could really actually offer the Steelers something if Najee Harris 
has to go off the field. And I think that that's an exciting thing. Um, you've got to keep in mind, he only played 25% of the offensive snaps in 2020 um, and 28% in 2021. So he played almost the, you know, got close to a third for them. That's some good experience. Not a lot of, you know, mileage on the, um, on the odometer there uh, for him, but I think it is interesting to bring a guy like this in with Snell. It means you've got two experience. So if Najee was down for a couple of games, you've got two guys you can rotate um, in and out as well. We've got, look, the feedback in the Slack channel was really that, you know, he's a third down, three down back. Um, I think I like the receiving side of what he brings to the game as well. I think that's really, really helpful. In terms of last year, his best game was really, he had 24 yards against the LA Rams in week nine. He had 26 yards against the Steelers. Um, So we'd be pretty familiar with his performance there. And I know he had, I think he had a breakout run. I think that was his, he had a long run of the season there. Um, I try and pull that up as we're talking, but um, 26 yards against the Steelers off six attempts, and he had 31 yards off seven attempts the following week against San Francisco. Yards per attempt of 4.33. He had three receptions for 25 yards against the Steelers as well. So he had a 50-yard game. Um, that's pretty cool from that perspective. Um, 8.33 yards per reception. Uh, and... In terms of his catch rate, he caught everything against Pittsburgh as well. So that's kind of that's kind of the interesting one for him. Um, I can't pull up that long run, unfortunately, um, to see when that was through the season. But you know, pretty interesting there. I mean, so, so Steelers fans are probably pretty happy. I remember him in that Tennessee game. I thought he showed some really cool flashes. I thought he was a great, um, you know, depth piece for them behind Derrick Henry um, as well. So you know, he's definitely got something to offer the Steelers. Um, as I say, he was drafted out of Boise State 2017 by Tampa Bay. He had a 4.49 for a 40. Um, so that's pretty interesting from that perspective. 41 carries last year, average of 3.8, 156 yards. Um, that's what they had him for in the regular season, according to PFF. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm just glad they brought something into the depth. And remember, I can say this. I can gloat. Steelers touchdown under. Um, and on this show, I both predicted on both shows that they would have a running back that's a veteran running back. And I think, you know, this will be his fifth or sixth season in the league. So that, that counts to me in that veteran stakes. Um, but I said that they would have someone in the top four running backs on the depth chart that, um, you know, one of them was not going to have been on the roster right now. So I got proven right. <laughs> He's got to make the roster, but I think he will based on them bringing him in at this stage. Hopefully there's no injury concerns or anything like that so with that we're going to take a break on steel's war room join me for part two and we will get into the safeties and the title of today's show We're back on Steelers War Room. I'm your host this week with show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, Dan Colbert, Anthony Weidel, and the rest of the Steelers front office is able to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond. So 
The title of today's show suggests that we obviously want to talk about safeties and the faith and the trust that the Steelers put in those safeties um, to get a win. And it's kind of funny. Like I, I sat there wanting, when I was going to do this and thought I might even go back to the full Super Bowls in the 70s, but the game's just changed so much since then. So I tried to look at 2005 and go, okay, what was the role that the safeties played here? Now, it's pretty hard. You know, you can look at tape. You can look back to your memories and you can look at stats and they might all tell a different picture. It's hard. Like in 2005, I was a lot younger. Um, you know, for me, that's a lot of tape to go back and watch throughout a full season. So the stats are really probably where I'm going to fall into. And stats are a um, you know, fair thing to be able to look back on. Um, they're a very good level set, but it was pretty interesting from the Steelers. They had a top, for defense, um, at least from a yards perspective, which is kind of really how it's ranked in the NFL. Um, so that was pretty interesting from their perspective. They allowed, they had the same number of offensive plays um, as the Ravens in terms of that. that's how many they had to defend against. They allowed the third most points um, in line or, you know, in, in cohort con- conjunction with the Devin, Denver Broncos. They had the, in terms of takeaways, they were 11th in takeaways um, on offense. In terms of first downs, uh, they allowed the ninth least amount um, of first downs. TDs was pretty interesting as well. They only allowed 15 TDs, which was top two in the league. Chicago Bears only allowed 10 that season. Interceptions, they were midway in the pack. They were ranked 19th with 15 interceptions. Bengals were ranked first with 31 and the Oakland Raiders were ranked 32, um, only getting five interceptions. In terms of first downs allowed by passing, um, specifically, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers were 11th, allowing 179 um, passing first downs. In terms of rushing, um, overall rush yards that were allowed, they had third least with 1376, obviously with Casey Hampton, you know, in the middle there. TDs rushing, they also, it's pretty interesting where they were sitting there. They were a top 10 defense there at 24. They were tied 10th with the Denver Broncos, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Green Bay Packers. So remember, this is all 05. So just give me that sort of level set in terms of what the, that yardage sort of was um, as well. And so when I tried to look at what the impact was, I mean, obviously Troy Polamalu was pretty early on in his time with the Steelers. Ryan Clark was still at Washington. He hadn't joined the Steelers there. So you've got um, Polamalu there in his third year. You had Chris Hope um, in the defense as well. Um, So that was pretty interesting. And like Ike Taylor was up there. He had 20 pass defenses. So that was equal ranked fourth um, in the league that year. In terms of interceptions, um, the Steelers didn't really have anyone um, you know, really, you know, too much in the mix up there. Um, so it was quite interesting when I sort of went back and looked at that um, from a from a tackle perspective. From a, sorry, from a forced fumble perspective, that didn't really come into play too much for Pittsburgh either. Clark Haggins at the outside linebacker position, he had four, um, but and Joe Porter had four. Sorry as well. Uh, I should get that correct, um, but. There wasn't nothing. There wasn't anything where you were like super, super standout. Um, you know, from the from the force fumble perspective, from a tackle perspective, 
It was guys like James Farrier with 121 that year. Jonathan Wilmer had a freak 173 that year. It's incredible. Um, those are combined tackles. Um, and and so, as I said, like I, I sought to go out there and prove that the Steelers, well, you know, in the most recent Super Bowls, they always look to their safeties. But 2005 kind of proved to me, well, that's kind of not really the case all the time. It's just not. Um, and that's cool. Like as long as you go in with these hypotheses when we put together these shows and you get proven otherwise. Ike Taylor had a great year with 75 tackles. Um, and Larry Foote was up there with 76. James Farrier was 76 um, tackles as well. That, that's all top 40. Um, and so it's pretty, you know, the thing that stood out for me is, and I wanted to say safeties, um, but it does come into play when we talk about DeMonte Kazee um, on the roster right now is Ike Taylor had a really good year in 2005. If people have forgotten that one or people don't know, or people are too young. Um, so, you know, I've always loved Ike Taylor, but bit of credit to Ike Taylor. I mean, you know, you go through these numbers, he actually had a really, really, really good year um, from that perspective. So then I flipped and I went, all right, well, that doesn't make because Troy's a bit more established in the league at this stage. Um, you know, what, what's he more done um, by, by this point in time? This, by this point in time, he's in his sixth year in the league, um, playing regularly. Remember, he didn't start any games in 2003. Now he's starting it's the second, third season. Sorry, he started every game. Um, seven interceptions uh, as well, which which was pretty significant um, in terms of where the league was sitting. So seventh was equal with Nick Collins and Michael Griffin and Charles Woodson. So they all were equal second. Um, Ed Reed had nine. So, you know, there's that safety debate that you have with these guys um, as well. So that was that was kind of interesting. Um, when I looked back on it, you know, that that's somewhere where, you know, Ed Reed was ahead. Uh, D'Angelo Hall um, was up there as well. He had the five interceptions that season. When you looked at the forced fumbles too, I thought that was interesting amongst all defenders. Um, James Harrison, that was, you know, obviously he led the league and got defensive player in 2008. So he was up there with eight, with seven, sorry. Joe Porter had four, um, you know, but, but you start to whittle down the list. And again, like I kind of expected Troy to really show up again and force fumbles and he didn't and i and i this kind of surprised me at the strong safety position um and and you know so again i was just sort of like well what what's this role with this with the safety like how do we put faith in the safeties and and is this how big a role does the safeties play in the defense how do they clean it up and i think the other thing about 0508 you know you talk about guys like farrier and, you know, Foot and Woodley and Harrison. And you talk about the tackles for a loss that they made, the overall tackles. Polamalu didn't have to do that, right? It's a bit different from Minka. And we'll get to Minka in a moment in the role he played last year, which has been talked about. But it's just a different sort of concept. Um, when you looked at past defenses as well um, for 2008, Troy Polamalu had 17, so he was up there in 16th in the league. And so that was pretty high. Um, so I'm not, and you know, Ike Taylor had 15 for context as well. Ike Taylor had a pretty good, um, you know, 2008 as well, but he only had one interception. Um, he did have 65 combined tackles, 50 solos. So, you know, versus um, 54 solo for Troy Palomalu, five tackles for a loss for Troy as well. But the thing for Troy in 2008 was that, again, like 05, definitely obviously making more of an impact as he's coming to the league. 
Um, did, but didn't, you know, pro- had his highest year for interceptions or equal highest. He had the same thing in 2010 as well. And obviously made the Super Bowl, uh, you know, lost that one out. Um, had one of his high years for tackles for a loss. Um, didn't have any false fumbles, uh, you know, as I said there. Had one of his highest years for tackles, more well, one of his higher mid-years, sorry. I lie, I lie. He had three 90s. Um, three years where he had 90 plus tackles and um, three years in the seventies. And this was a 70 year. Um, and, and so it's funny, like my hypothesis like, that I set out to achieve was kind of wrong, um, but it did allow me to really think about it um, from that perspective of if the Steelers were going to win, um, how would they go about that? How would they actually go about it? And because in 2008 too, they had the lowest, they allowed the least amount of passing yards with 2,511. They allowed the least amount of total yards. They were the best defense in the league, only allowing 3,795 yards. They allowed um, one of the, the second least amount of first downs um, on offense. They allowed the third least amount of touch, or second least, sorry, um, with Tennessee Titans amount of touchdowns from um, passing touchdowns with only 12. They allowed the second least amount of rushing yards with 1,284. So that was better than what even what they did in 2005. They allowed the second least amount of um, rushing touchdowns equal with the Philadelphia Eagles, but only allowing seven. Um, in terms of first downs, they allowed um, rushing was 73. That was just ahead of Minnesota on 72 and Ravens at 58. Um, so as you can see, these numbers, like they were like a top defense. So the top defense, because that's what the NFL ranks it by yardage, but they were kind of top across the board. Um, yards per offensive play, they were the low, lowest in the league with 3.9 yards. 3.9 yards. That's less than the, you know, the, the best teams rush in the league. And you've got to think um, they allowed 2,500 um, passing yards versus 1,284 rushing yards. So it, pretty incredible there. But again, going back to Polamalu, it was like, I kind of expect you just kind of expected Polamalu to have a bit more stats across the board. Obviously, he had a good year for interceptions, and so that made me really think about well, how did Ryan Clark go? And obviously, Ryan Clark um, wasn't as up there in that year. He, he started fourteen games out of the fourteen he played in, one interception, six pass defenses. He was up there from a pass defense perspective. Eighty-eight tackles, fifty-two solo, thirty-six combined. So pretty actually similar numbers. Um, to um to basically to 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 troy um so that, that again kind of um kind of got me interested in just sort of going well hey what what is this role in with safeties like the steals we know how important they are and in what they do and part of this segment as well came from um james palmer did a section on good morning football and then he talked about it and move the sticks with dan and jeremiah and bucky brooks and he was talking about the role of jesse bates as a safety both off the field in terms of what he's been able to do with the Bengals and where they've come from nothing to, you know, now being in the Super Bowl the last year and, you know, the transition that he's helped the team go through, but also the way he organizes people off the field, which got me thinking about how Troy organized, you know, people on the field or took that leadership role and the role of which we need from Minka Fitzpatrick this season um, as well. And so, as I said, with Troy, like he never had, over 100 combined tackles in a season in terms of solo and assisted tackles. His highest was 97 in 2004, um, 92 in 2005. He had 91 in 2011. You know, forced fumbles. He never had more than five in a season. 
pass defenses. He never had more than, I mean, he had 17 to eight, which is pretty epic. Um, but he only had four years where they were double digits. Uh, but, but the tackles bit got me. I was just really surprised. Um, and even from a solo tackle perspective, he never had more than 74 in a season. And, you know, more than half the seasons he played, it was actually below 50, those tackles. You know, had seven tackles for a loss three years in a row at strong safety. Um, you know, he had two years, two years with six. Um, you know, he had two years with five, two years with four, and then you get into small numbers from there. He only had 12 quarterback hits um, across his career. And then you transition to that with what the Steelers asked from Minka last year. Combined tackles last year, 124, 84 solo tackles, 40 assists, assisted tackles. Incredible. Uh, you know, he's had a lot less tackles for a loss, but Minka's played deep and he had to, he, it was hard to get someone to tackle for a loss when you had a defensive line and inside linebacking call that were going backwards. He had 80 combined tackles in 2018, 51 solo. He had 79 in 2020, 60 solo. Um, 2019, um, you know, as he was joining the Steelers, 69 combined tackles, 44 solo. Uh, Force fumbles, he's had four in his career. Pass defenses, he's had 36. Um, he had 11 in 2020, only seven last year. But we, were, we weren't asking him to do that role. We weren't asking him to play as deep. Um, and so it just got me thinking, how can the Steelers go about freeing up Minka again so that Minka can do Minka things? Minka can do things that we... You know, necessarily expect to Polamalu, but he can have the impact that sort of Polamalu had. You know, this is the thing that I think is really key. And I'd love to be able to pet, compare things like depth of target and all those sorts of things, but we don't have enough of those numbers um, for Troy. So that makes it really hard uh, versus Minka. But the Minka, what is interesting is like the depth of target didn't necessarily tell you that story in terms of how far he was playing off the ball, but he had to allow his most air yardage, the air yards um, in his career so far. Uh, he allowed, he didn't allow the most yards after a catch. That, that, that was a real positive. Um, the quarterback rating he allowed was 81.2. That was the second highest in his career um, so far, which was pretty interesting. Um, I thought versus 2020, 65.7, 2019, 93.0. But actually in Pittsburgh, it was a 46.3. Um, in Miami, it was 158.3 in 2019. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Completion percentage allowed was a 50% in 2020, 62.5% in 2021. Incredible numbers here from Minka. Four interceptions uh, in 2020 and two in 2021. So I think from, you know, it's pretty clear the Steelers have got to get back to allowing Minka um, to get make to make intercept to get interceptions, let him do Minka things. Do not let Minka have to clean up the mess of Miles, Jack, Devin Bush, and the inside linebacking core. I, I think you know we talked we talked a lot about Terrell Edmonds this season. I think if he can pair and be that Ryan Clark, you know, oh, that poor man's Ryan Clark to um, Minka Fitzpatrick, and kind of his poor with the contract that he's <laughs> we've ended up getting for steal for the Steelers. Um, you know, that's pretty positive. But I don't want to spend too much time talking about Terrell Edmonds. But I do think DeMonte Kazee offers something for the Steelers because, um, you know, he's been targeted, you know, in the three, uh, the four seasons he's been in the league, he's been targeted 25 times, more than 25 times in three years, three out of those four years. Um, he's only in the highest number of um, 
percentage of completions he's allowed against those targets of 25 or more was 65% in 2019. He only allowed 52% last year. He's never allowed more than 300 yards, 325 yards in a season, 205 last year, um, 323 in 2019 when he faced 43 targets for 28 completions. Uh, he's only he has allowed though. I mean, it does happen if you're playing deep. He's allowed nine touchdowns in the four seasons that he's played, so it's an average of two a year. Um, and that's despite uh, you know, I actually actually no, they don't. I haven't. I've got his counts for the percentage snaps. I was going to sort of contextualize that with the snaps. Um, depth of targets really interesting as well for him. Um, average depth of target. Um, it was 11.8 in 2020, 8.2 in 2019, 16.3 in 2020, um, and 14.2 last year. Quarterback rating allowed 82 in his rookie year, 66.3 in 2019. I won't count last year because it was only, um, you know, four targets he faced in four games, but last year was an 85.8. So pretty good. So I think when you look at Kazee, um, and missed tackles about 10%. Um, career 10%, which is not, not too bad. That's pretty online with a free safety. So I think when you look at a guy like Kazee, I think he's going to offer things at the cornerback position. I think he's going to be able to support Minka and Terrell and offer those. I agree with my colleagues at BTSU who have talked about, you know, three safety sets. But I think this guy's going to allow Minka to come up and do Minka things to do Troy, you know, not necessarily be Troy Palomalu, but have Troy Palomalu impact of things, um, you know, when he needs to play more and that's a, a bit more of a towards a strong safety role, give Terrell Edmonds a break. Um, Cause he can worry about the deep stuff, you know, bit of experience there uh, with Norwood, even if he's only on the practice squad, I think you'll see a few games from Kazi. Um, but I really like the signing because whatever the Steelers can do, as I've sort of probably harped on about a bit by this stage in the podcast, and the Steelers can do to get Minka back to being able to make those big splash plays, those turning points in games like that interception out against the Colts are things that will help the Steelers win. And they're things that we are used to as Steelers fans. We haven't necessarily had to rely upon them in Super Bowl years. But if you look at this roster, this could be an area where this defense really helps push that roster um, deep in from gets the steals into the playoffs and pushes them deep into the playoffs. But with that, that's this week's steals war room. Excited to join you next week. Got some really exciting topics to cover off. As always, go Steelers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.